Every place has its own normal. Everyone has their own normal, a normal that belongs only to them. While the citizens of Stageport would be aghast at living under the wing of the ambassador in Pearl, the citizens of Dunbarrow can rest easy, knowing that their home is returning to their special normal. While the scholars of Hushwave University would tremble under her gaze, the scholars in the monastery can finally breathe a sigh of relief, knowing that their terrible patron has returned to her own terrifying, predictable normal. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. your host, King Cat, and I am very normal indeed. Hi, King Cat. As normal, here's Kirsten with me. Hello, everyone. Hello, Kirsten. That's as far as I planned this. Kathleen is here. I'm also here. That's great. I was trying to, like, come up with a joke about normalizing in terms of audio, but, like, I'm really not that given to being the loudest one here. Mm. Mm. And normalize Nick being here. I am also here, which is relatively normal, at least for us. Yeah, absolutely. Not normal, although less abnormal than it has been in the past. We have Dylan with us as our special guest for this arc. I'm working on my slow progress towards becoming the enemy of normal, (laughs) personally, as part of my own journey and character arc. That's beautiful. (laughs) Nice. I'm excited to see season two, Dylan. What if I'm just a villain now? I'll just make a heel turn. Okay. Well, you're not turning very far, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the ambassador in Pearl set out in the woods to hunt the Ash Duke, a noble demon that was encroaching on her territory. Why did Theo decide to join her? No one knows. I don't know if Theo knows, but he did. And the party went with him. The answer was spite. Oh, the answer was spite. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, okay, so due to spite, Theo went with her. And the party went with Theo. And what ensued was a combat against the Ash Duke with the help of the Ambassador in Pearl. And the party was treated to a rare sight. The destruction of a noble demon. Something that is not common in Amilta. But when creatures like that fight each other, someone has to lose. And then the ambassador called off her hands and returned to the woods to keep stalking around Dunbarrow in her quest to keep her territory clean. And the party is left in a clearing. Injured, if I recall correctly. A little bit? Yeah. I think we got blown up once. We did get some sort of awful ash rain pelted down upon us, and someone almost got speared at least once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was all types of rain. Like, there was lots of happening. It was a lot in general. I think as the Ash Duke has, like, vaporized, Penelope kind of looks at everyone as, did that actually just happen? Can that happen? Tiss is shivering a little bit. Oh, uh, here. And Penelope passes her her coat. <laughs> Tiss, uh, 
like <laughs> grabs the coat and like sort of drapes it over the cloak, which is draped on top of a bunch of scarves and keeps shivering. Look, if the answer to the problem was clothes, it wasn't a problem Tissa would be having. But okay. Penelope's trying. I think with how fast the last, like, few moments passed, Theo's probably still just regaining, like, perfect lucidity with the help of Ira, Mm -hmm. and is sitting on the ground at this point, getting back the scatter from his familiar. Yeah, Cobb is just sitting on the ground, just slumped over a little bit, exhausted. I'm going to sleep for a day when we get back. Mm -hmm. The sky is slate gray. The sun is nowhere to be seen. The moon is up, but you cannot see it. You have to take that on faith. It is still raining, although now it is barely drizzling, casting down a sharp, cold mist over the area of Dunbarrow in the places where there is still fire smoldering in the grass, you can hear the rain hissing as it hits it. And soon even these remnants of the Ash Duke disappear. Cobb stands up and puts all of his swords and other accoutrement away and just kind of rolls his shoulders and goes, all right, let's head on back to the monastery. Let everybody know that we're okay and well, we can get back to town, and I could use a, a nice hot bath and a very long rest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should, we should probably tell the monastery and the townsfolk that the issue is permanently resolved and that they can go home. Mm. I wonder if there's still any fresh bread. And Theo stands up. Well, we start walking. Mm-hmm. Some more. Just a little bit more, everybody. Come on. As if to agree with you, Pollyanna just shakes her wings out, casting droplets everywhere. She doesn't seem thrilled that the rain is still falling on her. The rain doesn't seem to actually dampen Ira. She's some kind of hellhound, after all. She seems completely dry in this light rain. I think uh, Theo continues, like, doing what he's probably done any time it rains really bad, which is just stick his hands in front of Ira's face (laughs) and make her keep them warm. Yeah. She kind of noses at them, gives you a shove. Yes, I, okay, yes, we'll go back. Thank you. Well, they should be happy to know that the problem's solved, at least. This is... Oh, I'm going to have to document this. That's only just now struck me. Oh, I get to add to the library. That's an interesting feeling. Oh, cool. Congratulations. Is this the first time you've added to the library? Uh, Never done something important enough to actually have to write my own entries? Seeing the death of a noble demon is something I don't think many people can claim. Hmm. Yeah, I... I mean, I didn't even really know it was super possible. I didn't know they actually, you know, could be completely destroyed. Well, nothing lasts forever, as they say. Not even them. Yes, that's something I couldn't agree on anymore. 
I mean, this world is echoes and aftershocks of great change. To think that they're immune to it, I think, would be a bit foolish, even as strong as they are. Hmm. <sighs> well, I believe the time has come to begin the walk back to the monastery at Dunbarrow. It doesn't take long. You weren't that far from it. And by the time you reach it, it is completely night. You can see light through the windows at the monastery. And you can see lanterns hung outside in anticipation of your arrival. And I would like everybody to make me sensitivity rolls, please. I think Penelope is going to do sensitivity humanity just to, like, feel the vibe. Like, are there people about? Um, that kind of thing. I think Cobb is just going to roll straight sensitivity because he's exhausted and is just kind of like running on autopilot here. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say the same for Theo. I think he's just going to roll straight sensitivity. Most of his skills are not exactly applicable. And Cobb got one edge success. Okay. Tissa got two successes on sensitivity focus. She's kind of withdrawn right now. Okay. And Penelope got two successes. What about Theo? One success, one edge success. You know what? I think this is its own consequence, you noticing this. You can choose to fail this role if you like, but if you keep the edge success, you will succeed at it. Okay. Tissa has already succeeded. I think Penelope picked the wrong skill and hasn't. Okay. I mean, I'm going to keep it. Okay. So both Tissa and Theo notice as they are walking through the undergrowth the figure of a fat orange cat running ahead of them to the monastery. Oh. Oh, the older arcanist was watching us? Mm. Well, time to talk to Callum, I guess. Yeah, and as you walk up to the front of the monastery, you see him sitting there, outside on a bench outside the front door. His familiar is seated, curled up on the back of the bench, right behind his head, and is again nosing at his ear. Everyone else seems to have gone inside. Yeah, Theo walks right up and plants the glaive in the ground and just leans on it forward a little bit to take his weight off of his legs a bit. Definitely looking a little worse for wear. I, um, I've heard everything. Come on inside. You must have heard even without that one. Everything. Okay, well. Yeah. Lead the way. He's a, he's a keen observer. Come on, let's, let's get you all inside. You must be exhausted. Mm. Exceptionally. Cobb just kind of nods in, uh, in approval. Well, if anyone's hungry, I've instructed the kitchen to stay open late. Oh, so. thank you. Lovely. If you just want to go to bed, please. We can talk more about this in the morning. Maybe it's the adrenaline, but I'm, I'd rather not sleep on it. Hmm. All right. The, the rest of you? Well, if, uh, if Theo wants to stay up, then that is his prerogative. I am going to make a trip to the kitchen, and then I'm going to bed. Food would be nice. Hmm. I think Penelope was already on her way to the kitchen the second he was like, I instructed the kitchen <laughs> to stay open. 
<laughs> we, uh, we don't have a lot of guest rooms, but um, we have a couple. They're on the second floor. Uh, you can't miss them. The, the statues out front of them of uh, a deer. Mm, is that where Gaddon, Mr. Sot are? Yes. Oh yeah, we should go. We should go say hi to them first. Or at least I'm gonna go do that. Yeah, you. All of you go eat, rest. I've dragged you around enough for the last few days. I think it's time you guys actually had some peace from me and this place. So. I really do think it's vice versa, but, um, wow. Wow. Yeah, Penelope, put in an order for me as well in the kitchen. I'll be joining you in just a second. I'm going to go check in. Oh, Penelope's already back with a piece of toast in her mouth. Huh? What? I'll be right back. And Cobb's going to go check in with Gideon and Mr. Sot. Where... Where are, uh, Sot and Gideon? Um, and Callum points to the stairs. Second floor, the, uh, the deer statue room. Ah, thank you. So I think the party runs off to get some food. And I think despite what he said, Callum starts walking toward the kitchen as well. Pauses to give Theo a look, as if to say, would you like to join me? Theo nods. And politely keeping his distance as he does, Callum heads to the kitchen and orders some bread and some soup that's still left from dinner. And despite the fact that there is no one else in the eating hall, at least once the party has gone upstairs, he does pick a spot in the corner. He sits down with two mugs of beer and places one across the table from him. I think in the process of sitting, Theo removes the upper layer of his cloak and robes so that it's just that black shirt underneath and sets it on the table and wrings out his hair a little bit uh, before sitting down and then sits and pulls the mug in front of him. And Callum is quiet for a good long time. He takes a couple drinks, takes a couple bites of his food. Is it true, he finally says, that she tried to kill you. Oh. You know, I was expecting a lot of questions. That wasn't the first one I was anticipating. Um, yeah, most certainly. Um, to be expected, really. Kind of put myself in that position. I was kind of expecting it, honestly. Are, are you all right? You know, strangely, despite everything, I'm actually quite well. And he sighs. Good. Good. That's most of what I wanted to know. Well, I did get to see a noble demon die, which was an interesting thing to experience firsthand. He looks up at this. He's been looking down. He's been kind of mostly focused on his food. But he looks up at this and you could tell that, no, there is an academic in there that despite all the worry he's been through today is still alive and well. There's the barest hint of a smile. 
I'll let you read about it once I'm done getting my thoughts down on paper. Of course. Of course. They are interesting. They? I... Theo kind of, like, gestures out the door of the eating hall and them. Hmm. I do feel responsible for all of this beginning. Even though making the trek up the mountain was for Penelope, I, I still feel it was partially my fault that we ended up in that position in the first place. But it was... It was interesting. I've never been around people like that before. It's so different than the monastery. Everything's so quiet, usually. <laughs> yes. I'll be honest, I kind of enjoyed it a bit. <laughs> and something briefly in his face is profoundly and unstoppably sad for a good couple moments of silence. And then he says, I feel the same way with a faint smile. I have lived most of my life in the quiet. Enough that, well, when I met somebody who was anything but, and he trails off and shrugs and looks out the window. I don't think we're meant to live in the quiet, or maybe at least not all of us. I think she would have liked them. I was thinking the same thing. Sorry, I know it's you fine. don't like to discuss that with me of all people. Can't blame you. I... It's far from simple, mm. but... I've let go of being mad at the very least. Conflicted in some ways still. Mm. You know, it'd be much, much easier if you were just a little bit worse. I'm sorry. You really couldn't let me have that. I'm sorry. I've been trying so hard to be better that it's stuck. You know, I think you may have just rubbed off on me a little bit after all. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Do you want to stay here, Theo? I don't entirely know. I... I had always considered a foregone conclusion that this is where I was going to be, but this is... These last couple days have changed a lot of that. Hmm. I don't... I'm not sure anymore. Oh. You are a full-grown man and can make your own decisions about what your life wants to look like. If you decide that this place is part of it, you are welcome here, absolutely. If you decide that the wider world is part of it, then As much as I will regret your departure, I won't begrudge you it. 
I think I'm going to go home. If only just to see it again. And I think Callum smiles at this and nods and without a word raises his glass to you. Thea follows suit. And I think that's where we're taking that scene. So now my question is, the party has grabbed some food and is headed upstairs, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You all are just going straight to the guest quarters? Yeah, I think so. That was the plan. Okay. So there are two rooms side by side. One on either side of a wooden carving of a stag. It might be an old one. It's worn smooth by ages of touching. And it stares sightlessly out into the hallway. Cobb just kind of calls through through probably some bread. Get in, Sot, we're back. Um, shh, shh. You hear from, uh, we're going to say the left-hand door. Oh, sorry. Sorry. And you open the door to see Gideon propped up on the bed with a big book open in her lap and a little kid asleep against her shoulder. Aww. Well, I'm glad you're both all right. <laughs> I'm not the one who went to go fight a demon. Did you hear? You must have. It was so loud. Mm-hmm. The thunder? Mm, the Ashduke isn't. Oh. But he was. But he isn't, though. And we were there. And... Despite everybody's best intentions, Sot kind of blearily blinks his eyes and lifts his head from Gideon's shoulder. Oh, I was actually going to say that while this conversation is happening, Penelope is going to, like she would with her younger siblings, like gently lift him up and like try to carry him to bed. I think that does wake him. I don't think he was sleeping very heavily. Oh, okay. (laughs) And he kind of bats at you, Penelope, like he's a grown adult. He doesn't need to be picked up. Oh, sorry. I just thought you would be more comfortable if... Want some toast? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And he he nods and he kind of holds out his hand, bleary-eyed. It's nice thick-cut toast too, hey? The butter is amazing. And he just brings his legs up to his chest and sits there on the bed with his toast. Yeah, you might not want to eat that over the bed. Mm. It's fine. (laughs) I can't. Well, I mean, I'm not the one who's going to be sleeping in crumbs, so do what you want. I can't. And he swings his legs off the bed and hunches over his knees to eat his toast. Cobb is such a taskmaster. What a mean captain we have. (laughs) (laughs) What a mean captain. I think Penelope turns to Gideon and, and saw it and kind of it's like, thank you both for um, staying in the town and making sure things were okay over here. Mm. We're sorry for running off and being as delayed as we were. <sighs> and Gideon stretches her arms out above her head. <sighs> well, it was nothing I couldn't handle. <laughs> uh, of course not. 
What did you do? Well, the plan was, if he followed us here to the monastery, or if she tried to hurt those little ones, that me and a couple of the arcanists would just do our very, very biggest kind of magic wall. Mm. It's something I'm used to, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, whoop, bedtime for me. Mm. But that's okay. Well, I'm glad we were able to let you stay up a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting stories in the books here. Sot shakes his head at this. There must be. I think they're wonderful. They've got the, the mosaic of the first arcanist in a couple of places. Some of the arcanists here even say the first arcanist founded this place. Oh. Some of them don't. You think they did? Mm, I don't know enough about arcanists to say, but it's an interesting story. Yeah. (laughs) Please don't fight demons, everyone. That was... That was not how I saw myself uh, ending today, but I guess sometimes we go where we don't expect to. Speaking of places we expect to go, are we still going up the mountain? Absolutely, or at least, well, I am, and everyone is welcome to join me. Uh, I'm right behind you. Well, thank you, Penelope, but if anybody has had enough adventure, I will not begrudge you to stay here or stay in town. It has been maybe a little extra exciting. Climb up the mountain, Captain. Oh, that's good. I was hoping you would at least would join me, Mr. Sot. I think I think you'll like it. Aye, Captain. And Gideon gives him an affectionate little ruffle. And he swats at her hand. He's a grown adult. He doesn't need hair ruffles or to be picked up. Tissa sighs and looks around the room and kind of looks at Gideon and kind of like presses her forehead against hers for just a second before her eyes blink open and she goes, oh, I'm still wearing Red's coat. (laughs) Yeah. That's how Tissa ends a scene. That's exactly how Tissa ends a scene. (laughs) Everyone goes to sleep in their own time, of course. Theo, I imagine, stays up later doing Theo things. The party goes to bed early. But morning comes to the monastery at Dunbarrow. It is an early, green, cold dawn. The kind that happens only after a rainy day. As if the sky is promising you that it's done with its antics. The birds are loud. It's early morning in the forest, and the birds are loving it. They're having a wonderful time. So my question is, what does everybody's morning look like? I think Cobb is going to, like, he's probably going to go down, get some coffee, maybe get a short breakfast he can take with him, toast or bread or something like that. And then he's going to start and put together the stuff to go up the mountain with. He needs uh, needs supplies. And there are supplies all over the monastery, like... You're far from the first person to pass through Dunbarrow on their way to the last tooth. And helping other arcanists train for their journey is what monasteries were originally built for. 
So, yeah, you can get whatever you need. Great. Cobb collects a whole bunch of stuff. He's got quite the backpack going on after he's all done. I think Sot's following around, just laden with rope and pickaxes and gear. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, I think Theo actually got an early morning despite being up late and uh, has been tending to a whole grocery list of sorts of things to be done and to be collected in the morning. And when Cobb gets up to begin gathering supplies for their journey, I think he is greeted by Ira, who begins, like, leading him around the monastery to the, like, storage rooms and, like, to all the places where, like, you know, rations and supplies are going to be located and just kind of, like, Guides him around without Theo there. Aw. Mm. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Ira. Good dog, best friend. Good dog, best friend. What about Tissa? What's Tissa's morning look like? I think that Tissa wakes up when she wakes up, attends to various items that are probably still damp, and spends about five minutes looking back and forth between the kitchen and the library and eventually ends up making some sort of decision. Possibly dashes into the kitchen to, like, shove something into her face as fast as possible that shows she can find a book. I don't think she's choosy about it. I think it's just anything. She's just excited to get a little bit of reading in before they go. These books are old and they have been touched by so many people who have just a completely different way of looking at the world to her. Mm. There's just so many names in all of them. It's amazing. What's Penelope up to? I think once Penelope has some coffee and toast, she's going to go for a ride with Polly. Just like, chill out. Let Polly stretch her wings and go for a ride just for fun, for no, like, chasing demon purposes or because I'm possessed purposes. And I think that's how she's spending her morning. And Polly does not want to go far from the monastery. Okay. When you reach a certain distance from the monastery, she turns around and starts flying back to it. Okay. I let her kind of fly where she feels. Like, I'm just along for the ride. All right. And... Eventually, once the riding and the reading and the shopping are over, it's just about time to say farewell to Dunbarrow. The party meets up probably outside the monastery? Yeah, that sounds about right. Sot is dressed in sturdy traveling clothes. He's got rope slung over his shoulder and a backpack full of supplies. Ooh. He's got a list in his hand that he's ticking off carefully. Nice rope, Sot. Mm. It's good rope. We're going climbing after all. Mm. Mm-hmm. That we are. Gideon's kind of peering over his shoulder at the checklist. Doesn't say or do anything about the checklist. She's just curious. Still nibbling on breakfast. Oh, and uh, where's our new friend? I was going to ask him if he wanted to come along. Ira stuck with Sot and Cobb until everyone left the monastery. And she just kind of breaks from the party towards the end of the garden and sits down at the gate where Theo is standing, waiting. 
<laughs> well, I guess to everybody else here at the monastery, thank you. Your talent and generosity were wonderful. Mm. Callum made sure you got a small barrel of beer. Thank you. Very appreciated. And then Cobb slings a, a shovel over his shoulder and just says, well, we do have a lot of walking ahead of us today, everybody. Yeah. And there's Theo waiting for you at the gate. Oh, hey, Theo. Oh, good. I was afraid we had missed you. Um, I think uncharacteristically, Theo's actually got his hair down, not like tied up per usual. I was waiting for all of you. Um, glad to see that you managed to get yourselves adequately uh, stocked for the journey. I made sure Ira showed you around, save you some time asking people questions, where to find things. And Sot turns to Ira and says, thanks for your help. She nods. Yeah, Cobb gives a little, like, nod and salute, sort of, to Ira. Where are you going? Are you coming with us? Or are you going someplace else? Wow, that's, um... You know, that's a very tempting suggestion, I will admit. But I fear if I joined you on your journey up the mountain, I may find it more difficult to return once I did, so... Well, I am... I am sorry that you won't be joining us. I, uh, it is a lovely little area. Don't get me wrong, I have my own journey ahead of me, just it's more of a familial one than an adventurous one. Mm. Maybe adventure still lies in my future, we'll see. I do have some things for all of you, though, if you'll take them. That's... that's very kind of you. Oh, don't give me too much of a big head about it. Um, first and foremost, this one's going to be the biggest, so I might as well get it out of the way. Uh, Tissa, can I borrow you for a moment? Mm. And Theo doesn't have his glaive with him, but he does have one of the ambassador's javelins. Um, oh. I don't expect you'll really find it particularly useful from a combat standpoint, but at least it's interesting. It is. It's... I... Are they really wood? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe you can let me know when you get back if you poke around at it a little more. Hmm. I did have something else for you as well. Um, first of all, there's this, and Theo hands Tissa a piece of parchment rolled up and tied with twine. It's a list of books from the monastery's library that I found particularly interesting. If you pass through again, oh. um, they're some of my favorites. You're welcome to read any of them if you come back down this way when you're done with your journey up the mountain. And I also wanted to give you this. I kind of noticed you have a bit of a, I'm hoping you appreciate stories. This one is important to me. And Theo hands Tissa a storybook. And it's really worn and aged. And it says on the cover, Ira, the white-haired girl. Oh. Tissa's eyes are just, like, shining. Um, 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 I didn't think to gifts. Um, um. You're the ones who are 
guests here, it's... Burden of gifts lies on me. You guys are fine. No need to give me anything. Um... You've given me an interesting several days. That's plenty enough for me for now. Um... You're... Um... Hmm... Tissa, like, fusses with her spear and unties the scarf that is hanging just under the cross guard. This, um, this also I don't, isn't a scarf, but it's, oh, I didn't get to tell you about where this is from, but if you want it, and what Tissa is offering Theo is a piece of a lesser daemon that came from one of the party's earliest adventures. Aww. Yeah, it is a torn piece of crimson silk. Wow. Uh, yeah. Theo takes it. Oh, um, you know, I'll admit I was curious. Um, interesting. This is part of the left hand of the Countess of the Silver River in Chelris, all the way on the other side of the continent. Oh my, oh, um, well, I'm afraid you're sparking an interest in heading that direction in me. Um, <laughs> I'll keep this close. This is, thank you, Tissa, thank you, really. It's a good color for you. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I've never really worn much other than this. You have... No, there isn't any. Uh, Theo turns to Cobb. And this is for you. And he pulls out a leather-bound journal of sorts. It's relatively thin, wrapped with a piece of silk. But the actual journal itself is pretty mundane. This is actually a collection of um, recipes based off of uh, local flora and fauna that you can find in the area, as well as uh, illustrations to identify some of them. It actually documents a lot of the um, greens and other edibles that you can find on the way up the mountain. Well, perfect. That'll help us uh, if the rations get a little stale today. Maybe we can find something else out there. Thank you. Might at least keep the meals on the way up a little less bland, hopefully. Well, I I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Theo. Of course. You're very welcome. Um, and, uh, Penelope. I'm sad that you're going to be leaving us. You're the ones who are leaving. <laughs> you want to get technical. True. I mean, I guess it depends on whose perspective you look from. <laughs> Now, I'm going to ask you to be careful about this one because I sort of lied huh? a bit about it. I told them I didn't have it anymore after the fight with the Duke. And Theo holds out the non-existent cup of water. Oh. Oh, oh my. I'm not certain how useful it might be, but there's a bit of sentimentality in it. I in a way. I... I will take great care with this. Um... Thank you. 
And I'm, I'm really not kidding about lying about it. I didn't tell any of the other arcanists <laughs> that I still had it. It's, it's our secret. Well, uh, she kind of like tucks it in her bag under like, even though no one could see it in her bag, once it's in her bag, she like tucks it under other things so that <laughs> as if to make it more hidden. We'll, we'll um, keep the secret safe with her. Thank you, Cobb. And I think at this, Penelope can't help herself. She gives Theo a big hug and it's just like, Oh, oh, we're, we're doing hugs now. Okay. Oh, uh, um, uh, sorry, I, uh, but thank you for, for everything. Um, if we come back this way again and we see you again, that would be really cool. Exchange more stories and we'll miss you. Yeah, are you sure you're not, you don't want to come up the mountain with us? Emmy would love to see another person. I am terribly tempted. I, I truly am. But I have, I need to go home for the first time in a very long time. I don't need to, but I want to. And I'm afraid if I get too caught up in the fun and excitement, well, fun, <laughs> the excitement of these things, I might forget to. Understandable. She's been largely quiet through this whole conversation because the two of you only met briefly. But Gideon looks at you and she has the same features, well, not the same features, but similar features to your mother, to Rhymehold. And she very quietly says, be careful. Thank you. I may not be here when you return from the mountain, so don't be shy. Callum will take good care of you, and Tissa, you're welcome to the library at any point. That's the point of the list. I won't be here to show you them myself, more than likely, so. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for these, Theo, and, uh, I guess we'll have to tell her all about you. I think that sounds like memory time. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that sounds yeah. like memory time. Memories. That sounds like memory time. Ooh, I just want to say that I had a lot of good memories this time around, but I can't decide if... Theo talking with Callum or me, Dylan, the person sitting here thinking of gifts to give the party was my favorite. <laughs> the second one's my favorite. <laughs> that was very was sweet. sweet. They were good gifts. I had like flashes to, I don't, is it under copyright? Maybe, but there's a certain series of books in which they're leaving the, an elven area and a certain elf <laughs> is giving gifts to people. Kirsten! Kirsten, first of all, first of all, Kirsten. Is that how copyright first works? First of all, first of all, Beowulf isn't in copyright anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Second, you're not taking material from Lord of the Rings. You're just referencing it. It's okay. <laughs> True enough. Well, it, it, it had a very big like. It did have a Rivendell vibe. Yeah. Just like this, this feeling of like. Can, we're each going on our journey in our own way, and we're like, it was just very sweet. Yes, I love all conversations with Theo and Tissa. 
because just um, the way they interact is, is so magical. And I love it. Just generally sort of flailing toward understanding people. That's the spirit. Kathleen, what are your memories? This was a really sweet episode. I I am I am legitimately touched that like Dylan decided to have Theo give everyone gifts. It it felt like the right thing to do. Even if you did give Kirsten a gift that would give her a spell piece, and you know how I feel about that. <laughs> what? It's 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 a I'm gonna say mostly harmless spell piece. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we'll see where that gets after she uses it with Arrow a few times. <laughs> no, it's a personal spell piece. She can't do that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Like, how do you do crimes with cleansing? So, Nick, what's your memories? I'm just going to say the gifts again. I thought the gifts were really cool. Like, they, they fit everybody, and they were a good little moment for Theo to kind of, like, Get that last little bit of character interaction between like how they how everybody says goodbye to each other. Uh, sounds like Dylan wins this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm there's a winner. Ding, there's ding, a ding, winner. Ding. It's you. Yes, I, yeah, Dylan I, won I, memory I, time. It's the secret winner? mechanic. <laughs> winner is me. <laughs> well, congratulations on winning memory time. I feel so powerful. Understandably. So if people want more Dylan, because we are saying goodbye to Theo, at least for now. And if you're thinking, but that means no more Dylan for me, what can they do about that? They can go to Twitter and follow at lasers underscore forever, lasers with a Z. And you can see me me personally as the person tweet about anime. Mm-hmm. And you can also follow at TFTT underscore presents on Twitter to see me talk about actual, actual play stuff and our new season that'll be starting soon for our Bailheart show, which is exciting. And I'm very, very much looking forward to. Oh, it's going to be a blast. We've already done a demo of the rules and we had a great time. So, oh, it's so It's so good. And there's going to be lots of cool NPCs. So if you like Theo, there will be bits and pieces of similar character traits and plenty of non-player characters. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. First of all, Dylan. Yes, it was great playing with you. It really was. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. It was so tempting to stay. (laughs) Well, you're absolutely coming back, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Kat, you would have to cancel the show to keep me from coming back. (laughs) That's what I wanted to hear. (laughs) Nick, Kathleen, Kirsten, thank you for playing with me like I thank you every week. Aw, it's always a pleasure. And thank you for listening to us, listener. Thank you. Thank you for listening to us. Um, if you have thoughts and feelings and memories you would like to share, maybe more points so that Dylan's score lead on this memory time gets even more devastating, you can reach us on Twitter at PeachGardenRPGs or on our website, PeachGardenGames.com. I have, literally just before we started recording, put the finishing touches on a playtest package. So if you would like to play Heroic Chord with your team, look it up. The rules are all there. There's a character sheet. There's a questionnaire. We would love to hear from you. Plus, Kat's gone and made a Discord for the playtest. 
If you'd like to play with us or with other fans of Heroic Chord, join us there and uh, organize a game yourself. Join in on one of the games that other people are making. It should be a good time. The link to that will be in the episode description and will be on our Twitter. So hope to see you there. Yeah. It is going to be a wonderful time. And sounds like we're going to see you all next arc, everybody. Bye. See you all later. Bye, everybody. We love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Bored of D&D? Want to try something else? Why not check out Control Group? We test systems so you don't have to. Using our patented mini campaigns along with one shots, we test how far you can stretch systems with our unique ideas and broad storytelling. Our mission statement is to give a voice to those not often heard in the TTRPG community. So whether it be a system you've never heard of, or our testers being people of color, people on the LBGTQIA spectrum, we want to make sure our stories are broad, vast, and told from different perspectives. So whether you want classic role-playing or just big goofs, come listen to us, try out systems, some of which we've even made ourselves. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or head over to controlgrouppod.com. That's CTRL, just like the key on your keyboard. There you can find the systems we test, along with easily accessible PDFs. So check us out if you're into Monster of the Week, Passion de los Passiones, Song of Fire and Ice, Blazers and Feelings, Gunsight, Void Worlds, Wizards and Wands, Stranded, Interstitial, The Last Shonen, and so much more!